All right, welcome everyone. Happy Monday. Um, hopefully everybody's having a really great start to the week, whether you are just beginning your working day or if you are um, you know, kind of winding down on your Monday, we're so happy that you came to join us. Um, welcome to another amazing Power to Fly chat. Um, I'm your host, Meg. I'll be um, you know, moderating today's event. I'm part of Power to Fly's virtual hosting team. And I'm really excited to jump in and um, introduce our speaker to you and get on with our questions. So, so a couple of quick housekeeping items. Um, the, this event, like all of our virtual events, is really about you. It's about our attendees and making sure that our amazing community members get the chance to participate. So if you would like to, please feel free to turn your cameras on. Um, messy buns, uh, uh, non-traditional workspaces, furry coworkers, all of this stuff is very much welcome. Um, if you do come off mute, like to ask a question or add a comment, which is absolutely uh, encouraged, um, you will show up on the live recording of today's event. So whether you have your cameras on or not, that doesn't matter. It's just if you come off mute, you'll show up. Now, if you, you know, have privacy concerns or even just don't really feel like coming off mute to ask a question, that is totally fine. You can still participate. All you'll have to do is write your questions or comments into the Zoom group chat. And if you have, um, you know, serious privacy concerns and need to be, you know, like double black ops, no one can know you're here. Um, that's fine too. You can DM me your questions. Just pick my name from the dropdown. Um, it'll be there, um, my name's Meg. Um, and you'll be able to write your questions or comments to me. I will raise them and keep you anonymous. Um, if we do address one of your questions, please feel free to add additional context if you like. Um, or if we're just approaching the question um, in a way that you didn't intend, please feel free to let us know. We'd love to make sure that um, if you chose to spend time with Power to Fly today, that you are, you know, the time that you spend with us is well worth it. Um, like I said, this is being recorded. So everybody that registered for today's session is going to get a, um, everybody that registered for today's session is going to get a link to the session um, in about one to two business days in an email. So that'll be the rewatch link where you can go back and, and check everything out that um, Michelle and I are talking about today. Um, and it's a really great way to make sure that, you know, you don't have to take notes. If you miss something somebody says, don't sweat it. You can always go back to the recording. Now, if you are, you know, if Michelle says something today that's just mind blowing and you cannot wait to tell a coworker or a friend or a family member, you don't have to. You can head on over to our YouTube channel. We actually have two separate ones. Um, one that is kind of our, our main YouTube channel and then we've got one just dedicated to chat and learns. And you'll be able to go over there within probably about five to 15 minutes of the end of today's session and you will be able to rewatch the video there. So if you wanna share with somebody before you forget, absolutely feel free to. Um, Again, if you have any questions, comments, if you have any kind of like troubleshooting issues with Zoom, whatever, please feel free to DM me. Um, I'm happy to try and help you out as best I can while we're um, you know, managing all this, the spinning or the moving parts of these chat and learns. Um, and please feel free to keep with us on social. We are at Power to Fly on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm missing one. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, so yeah, uh, please feel free to, you know, keep up with us on all those channels. It's a great way to make sure you don't miss out on events like today. Um, we've also got our June mini summit coming up from the 8th to the 11th. The theme of that one is pride at work. So we're happy to, uh, to highlight and support our, our amazing alphabet mafia. And we can't wait to see you there. So, um, to jump into our introductions today, I am really excited to introduce you to today's speaker. Um, Michelle Amato has spent over 20 years in sales, the past nine at Workiva, and leads the sales teams in their global financial services sales vertical. 
She's passionate about creating inclusive sales organizations that value employees personally and professionally while smashing sales records. She's an avid Peloton addict and a mother of two. So welcome, Michelle. We're happy to have you today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Is there anything you'd like to add to that amazing uh, introduction before we move on? Well, I think, you know, when you're in sales, people will say, is it possible to build a diverse organization that is successful? And I think not only is it possible, it is the best way to have a successful organization. Um, you know, all of the um, research proves that the more diverse a company is, the higher the revenue, the higher the satisfaction, um, the bigger the growth potential. So I think it is especially magnified in sales. And so, you know, I think it's important that it's not just how we build the teams, but it's also the success level, um, because that's important for leadership to see too. Absolutely. I love it. Um, okay, so like we said, Michelle is here from Workiva. Um, I want to direct you to a link that I'm going to share in the chat here in just a moment. Um, this is a link to where you can um, check out Workiva's company page on powerfly.com. So Workiva is hiring, um, and I want to direct you to the page. The page will look like what you're seeing on your screen right now. Um, a couple of key points to know about is that this is a place where you can get more information about Workiva. Um, on their company info tab, that's where you can do that. If you click on events, it's going to show you um, some of the past chats that they've taken part in or future events, um, planned events that they're going to, um, to join in on, um, as well as check out their open roles. So as you see on this screen grab, they have about 100 roles posted. I think right now the, the number is, yeah, it's still the same. Um, so definitely check those out. And then the other thing to flag is that at the top of this page, on the right-hand side, there's going to be a big pink button that says follow. If you are at all interested in Workiva, clicking on that button is going to put you on their follow network. And that does a couple really great things for you. At its heart, it functions like your friend of the company. So it's going to tell Workiva like, hey, this person is really interested in working with you. Even if you haven't filled out an application yet, it's going to put you on their radar. But then it also keeps you informed when they post new roles. So it's a really great way to make sure that if you are interested in working at Workiva, whether you are actively searching now, or maybe if you're just kind of curious to see what's out there, um, you can add them to basically a short list of the companies that interest you. And it's, um, you know, you can you can follow or unfollow um, as many companies as you like on Powerfly. You can, you can follow and refollow the same company at will. Um, but obviously, I definitely recommend that you check out Workiva's page on Powerfly. Um, all right, so the last thing we're going to talk about before we jump into questions um, is going to be some of the key themes for today's session. Now, one of the things I want to highlight is that these um, themes that you see on your on your screen in front of you are we've we've kind of constructed them based on a couple of things. Um, one was a conversation with Michelle about you know the, the topic at hand and what she would like to cover, but then the other one came about due to the questions that y'all pre-submitted. So. Everybody that registered for today's session, if you if you submitted a question ahead of the session, awesome, thank you. What we did is we um, we condensed all those questions, we kind of arranged them into a, um, a conversational format, and we're going to try and get through as many as we can today. But I want to highlight that if you took time out of your day to spend with us and be here live, you get prime you know prime seating, prime treatment. We want to make sure that you get the questions answered that you came here to learn about. So if these you know these themes kind of cover what you've got going on and what you want to know you can just sit back and that's fine. But if any question occurs to you that you'd like to know during today's session, please feel free to ask. Um, we do ask that you stay on mute unless you are actively speaking. You'll see me go off and on mute because I've got bulldogs snoring behind my desk. Um, but just stay on mute unless you're talking. It's a really great way to make sure we maintain audio clarity. 
Um, try not to interrupt either Michelle or any of the other attendees. I know it can be rough with you know, delays and that kind of stuff, but you're more than welcome to interrupt me because I get paid to fill the space. So don't let me and my chattering take up room where you would like to be asking a question. Um, even if you have a question that you submitted and you're not sure if we'll get to it, please feel free to float it again. Send it into the Zoom chat and I'll make sure either we cover it or if we're gonna cover it later on, I'll let you know that. Um, so anyway, the themes we're gonna try and cover today, we're gonna talk a little bit about how to discover your right environment. Um, you know, someplace that really values you, that you fit in, that is good for you. Um, we're gonna talk about how to set yourself up for success um, and not, you know, create or, or passively allow these, you know, kind of stumbling blocks to occur. Um, and then the last thing we're gonna try and go over is what advocating for others looks like. Because obviously, um, you know, making sure that you're in the right place is awesome, but if you're not also thinking about the rest of the people on your team, that's a really great way to create a toxic environment. So we're gonna talk a little bit about um, looking out, you know, once you think you're in the right spot, what you can do to make sure that the, you know, the environment that you're in or the environment that you're cultivating is useful to others as well and helpful. Um, all right, so Michelle, let's dive into our first question. Um, this one I really thought was pretty interesting. Um, this person said, how do you find your right environment? How do we identify which one is right for us? And this question really resonated with me because for so long, I worked the jobs I could get, you know, I jumped around to industries because I graduated in 2008 into a terrible job market and that's all I could do. So for the longest time, I never really thought about what was right for me because it was just any port in a storm. So how, if, if people are from a similar background or even if they're just starting out, how do you know what's, what you should be looking for, what the right fit is for you? I think one of the most important things to do is, is to have a list of priorities. So everybody's going to have things that rank higher than others, right? For some, it is money. They want to know how can they make the absolute most. For some, it's going to be flexibility. Now, due to COVID, more companies are much more flexible. If we're going to look at a positive of something over the past year, is that a lot of companies that maybe weren't as open to flexible work schedules or work from home arrangements had to. They didn't, they didn't have much of a choice. So a flexible work schedule may be something that you're looking for. And a lot more companies than I would have ever thought in the past are, are actually keeping them in place because they found they're good for business and also good to attract talent. Like it's, it's good on both sides. Um, so it's really important to understand what it is that's your motivation. And knowing the first few you go through may not all line up. Nothing ends up being perfect. Um, but the more honest you can be with yourself of the, of the way that you rank them, then you can target as you're networking, which is. So sorry, Michelle, I just got you coming off of mute. Um, if you can unmute yourself again, that would be great. I'm so yeah. sorry. No, no problem. Um, I just think it becomes really important that you, um, that when you network and networking is really how you find out about what companies and places you want to be as you talk to others about it what's your experience there and one of the things i learned way back in my career was you always take the conversation it can be easy to say i don't know anything about that industry i don't know anything about that don't self-select yourself out others will do that to you plenty Take the time yourself to understand the why. The company I'm at right now was a conversation. If you had asked me originally, would I have taken it? 
I only took the meeting because you take every meeting, but I couldn't understand why a technology company would want to talk to someone with a financial services background. And yet I found my right spot. So the more conversations you have and the more clarity you can have when you have, when you talk to people is this is what matters for me. Is that what your company is like? Or do you have any vendors like that? Or are you working with other companies that way? Then other people become your advocates too. That's a really great point to consider. Yeah. Um, making sure that, you know, you're kind of taking a, a larger look at the organization. That's awesome. Um, okay. So how can we thrive while working remotely? This person says, I find it hard to connect with colleagues if it's not in a face-to-face -face environment. And I, I also struggled with this when I first started working with Power to Fly because we're entirely remote and distributed. So, I mean, it was eight months, I think, into my, my tenure with them before I ever met in person another coworker, let alone, you know, the person that hired me. So, um, you know, if you know that you really do need that face-to-face -face environment, is there any way to try and, you know, kind of replicate that while working remotely? Um, there's a lot of things you can do. You can, um, you know, look for a lot of companies have Slack channels or they have different ways that allow the employees to interact with those with the same type of, um, you know, interests that they have. I, I mentioned at the beginning, I am addicted to my Peloton. I am addicted to my Orange Theory. I'm heavy on wellness. Like that's, that's a big um, piece for me. So what we do at our company is we have monthly global Peloton rides. And so we rotate what the different themes are and you can ride with people in Germany and I can ride with people in APAC or, and then we compare what we have our, our different pieces and you look at, well, how many miles did everybody get in that month? Um, we find ways to connect on other levels. And then once you're connecting that way, then it's easier to kind of start talking more about business because, well, what else are you doing in the office? You now have something you can break the ice with. So finding those type of things. We've held virtual happy hours. I had a DJ that played for um, employees and we had dance parties for those that had kids or not kids and projected them on their TVs. And, you know, we did that on a Friday night. We've had um, book clubs where people can do that. We had the head chef for our... Um, our headquarters office sent out recipes to everybody so that we could all do a virtual cooking if we wanted. And then people had gift cards to go and get the groceries so you could cook together. There are lots of ways to facilitate. It just sometimes takes a bit of creativity and it means it's different than before. I prefer to be in person with people. I'm very much a people person. That's why I'm in sales, but it's, but there are other ways to form those connections. And that's going to allow you to network across your organization as well, because it won't just be so what was the forecast for this month or where are the openings, you can really get to know them as a person and then see if maybe that's a group you want to join. Maybe there's an interest in there because they've got more of a, a work cadence you enjoy. Yeah, I find that, um, you know, being, at, you know, with my personal experience, so like I moved a lot um, after college and I find that that these kinds of questions, the answers at least remind me a lot of the what, how do I make friends as an adult question, right? And it's not that it's impossible. It's just that you sort of have to think outside the box a little bit. And it requires maybe a little bit more pre-planning because otherwise, you know, you're not, you're not thrown in. There's not these organic situations that just happen where like you have a cubicle mate or you have, you know, people on your team that you see several times a day for meetings or to, you know, confab with or whatever. 
And so it's definitely, um, you know, it's not an unsolvable problem, but it's definitely not something to discount. I mean, you know, if you're one of those people that likes people and thrives off that environment, you know, it's hard. This has been a very hard time for a lot of people like that. So yeah, I think that's, that's great ideas to, you know, see where else you can get that connection. Um, and I love the idea of doing the cooking class. That's really, that's really cool. Um, all right. So this next question I thought was really interesting as well. Um, this person says, I've been working at nonprofits for the past few years. How can I identify a good corporate or startup environment considering my background? And I feel like this is a good question since there's a lot of people changing, um, you know, maybe changing professions or changing industries. Um, how is there like a key to making that switch or to, to really identifying from the face when you haven't been inside an organization what it's like? Um, so I think now is actually a very good time when people are looking at change, especially from non-for-profit, because one of the biggest pieces in the news is ESG, which is environmental, social, and corporate, corporate governance. So um, what that means is a lot of companies, especially public companies, are looking for ways to be better social citizens. They want to have a greater social responsibility. They're looking for what their social impact is. They're now creating reports and documenting this and they're making programs. And when I switched industries and I went from financial services to a software company, I found a company that wanted to focus in financial services and didn't have that expertise. So I could take something I knew well and bring it into technology because most of us, you know, we've spent everything is done with technology. We're on computers, we have our phones, we have our smartwatches. I mean, I don't think I could get anywhere and not be impacted by technology. I think the biggest uh, piece with that is to find how your skill set relates to what they want to accomplish. And given right now the heavy focus and social responsibility and being global citizens allows for a lot more opportunities in companies that maybe you wouldn't have seen before. So I do think it's an excellent um, opportunity. And, and there's so much uh, information online that you can pull up on ESG. Um, if that is specific, going from non-for-profit to, to uh, a for-profit company, um, you can just Google it and you'll find everywhere from the big four, like the Deloitte's and KPMG's, to find universities on it. Like everybody's got their own opinion on how this is going to be impacted. But what the companies are looking for is somebody who can help them understand how they can both be profitable and a good citizen. And it is possible to do both, but you have to be able to look at a more holistic picture. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point. It's a great place to start. Um, personally, I, it wasn't until I started working at Power to Fly that I realized in a, like a company with um, you know, a message or a mission that I really connected with is really important to me because I've never had that before. Um, and so it was you know, really important. But I think that it's really interesting to see, um, you know, especially when you look at, you can look at those environmental impact things. The other thing that I like to look at is what their ERGs are like. You know, some people, um, some companies for their, um, we, in college we call them their philanthropies, but, you know, whatever their, um, their personal kind of pet project is or the thing that they do to give back to the community, I like to keep an eye on that because is it something that's, you know, that's really a closely held thing? Do they make it a priority or is it like just sort of ticking a box? It's an afterthought. Yes, we did it. Now we don't have to worry about it again until next year. Um, that's the kind of thing that really sticks out to me. And it's also something that you can ask about in a job interview. Whereas if you try and ask, you know, like, well, what's your culture like? Yeah, you'll get a good answer, but it, you know, it may or may not be a little bit, uh, you know, I don't remember how my mom says, I think the elevated truth is what she calls it. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's important to keep an eye on. 
Um, we do have a question that came up in the chat that I want to, um, to touch on. I'm not gonna pronounce your name right, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm guessing Kuhn, it's Q-U-N-Y-H, or sorry, Q-U-Y-N-H. Would you like to come off mute and ask your question? Yeah, it's Win. it's a- uh, <laughs> Thank you, I'm so sorry. <laughs> No, you're fine. That's a, that's a good um, guess. But um, thank you so much for organizing this. And thanks, Michelle, for coming on. Um, I So when you were talking about remote work, so what I'm trying to do with, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to break into the tech industry. And um, I would definitely, I'm, I'm interested in something that, you know, working with people related instead of like the very techie role. Um, and I am interested in what you're thinking about, um, like if I work the remote work, but if I'm, cause I'm from Vietnam, hence the name. Um, if I decided to live in Vietnam for a couple months out of the year, I would be 13 hours ahead of the US um, and I want to work with people and I don't know how that's going to work. If I have, you know, it, like I wouldn't be able to attend meetings like this cause it's 2 AM over there right now. Well, that's actually an excellent question. And I um, work with global teams. So we have offices in APAC and EMEA. And so I do my calls with Singapore at about 9 p.m. at night. And I do my calls with our London office, usually about 6 a.m. in the morning. Do not do those daily. Um, but but one of the, the things with being more of a you know, having more of a global opinion is that there are a lot of companies that are looking for people that can work in other offices, right? When we were starting to build our offices in Hong Kong and um, in Sydney, we were looking for people who were flexible in the times that they wanted to work because even if you were working from Hong Kong, you may be covering people in Singapore and some of the others, which meant you either had an early start or a later and because time differences, right? Really, you know, even if you're, even if they call it Asia Pacific, they're really long flights over there too and, and huge time differences. Um, so I do think it's it's important, but I also think it is possible with companies uh, that are especially looking for, for growth is that there's a lot of flexibility. I have four or five people who have relocated actually over there because that was where their passion lied and where they wanted to be a part of a forefront of building a new area. So I do think there's a lot of possibilities that you'll find US companies that are over there and vice versa companies that are covering over here. And there's lots of opportunities outside of traditional tech. Like there's customer service roles and there's sales roles and there's marketing roles. You can work for a technology company as I do and nobody wants me to code, trust me. My SQL <laughs> skills are subpar. But you can still be in high tech and high growth and be in another part of the business. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hello. Um, so I think that's a really good point is that, you know, if you are, if you're looking at, you know, kind of spreading yourself across time zones or whatever, there are definitely company cultures that will flex with that. And sometimes it's, it's less of a, you know, less of a accommodation on your, like solely on your end and more of something that you can kind of come to an agreement together between you and your team. Um, this is a really good, uh, kind of time to, to address maybe the difference between the company culture and team culture. So is there any way to either, you know, kind of spot that as early as you can, you know, where maybe the company culture is super great, but the team that you would be joining doesn't really mirror those kinds of ideals? 
Um, you know, the idea that you're looking for a company culture it can that, that is a good fit for you can already be kind of daunting, right? Because you're just not sure. It's like a first date. People tend to give the best versions of themselves. So is this really a great fit for you? Um, how do you address that if there's a, a difference between company and team culture? Um, I'm proactive in addressing it. So on my teams, if someone is interviewing up my organization, um, I'm insistent that outside of the interviews, they need to talk with people on the teams and we arrange those calls. And uh, some of the calls will be um, with, with no prep on the reps side on our company because I don't want them to come in with pat responses. I want the uh, interviewee to be able to ask them whatever they want. And I think that's very important. It's also telling in a company's culture, right? If, if all they're going to do is allow you to interview and speak to specific people, then I want to know why, right? Those are not, most of them are not the people you're going to spend every day talking with. Um, you know, I have 50 people in, in my org that roll up underneath me and, um, you know, they're going to spend a lot more time with their teams, with their managers, not to say they don't, but I'm not the person they talk to, you know, 50 times a day. So, uh, you know, it really is important because how you gel with your teams is, is a big impact and it doesn't take long. And with everybody being remote, there's so much more flexibility. And what I found is the, the reps on the teams loved being able to meet the new people, right? They wanted to ask questions. They wanted to provide feedback. It was a win-win on both. Not that they interrogated, they didn't, but then the new person who we were trying to hire, they felt comfortable. They wanted to come in. They couldn't imagine not being a part of that company because so many people were welcoming to them. That, that I think, is, is something that if they aren't doing, I would ask, right? Well, can I talk to some people on the teams? Could you give me a list and I pick, right? What you don't want is that they tell you these are the only people you talk to. That, to me, is a red flag. You can also go on to LinkedIn, right, and pull up the company. And I would email a few people off the list too, you know, direct contact. Hey, I'm interviewing at this company. Just wondering, what are your thoughts of it? Or I'm researching your company. Could you give me some background? What you really want is people who would otherwise aren't the ones that always get put right in front of you. Yeah, I love that. I think you're right. It's, um, it's very telling if they're like, oh, yeah, totally. Speak to these two people. That's it. That's all. Don't believe what this person says. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, all right. So how can candidates get to that next step position that will challenge them and really show their potential if some of their previous experiences don't show that? I found this question really interesting because if you if you're looking for a place where you can grow, but you don't have that that like obvious pattern of growth behind you, it can be really really hard to either do both, find the company that's going to allow you to grow and convince them that this is, you know, where you would like to be headed. I think it's looking for stretch assignments. So it's something that allows you that one step up. It's unlikely to be ideal across the board, right? Because you're looking for a company that's going to take a chance as you're taking, right? If you're going into the unknown, it's a risk on your side. It's a risk on their side. I have found technology companies being a lot more open for that, right? I also find that the more you're confident in what you have, so I've heard from, and I've had executive coaching and lots of things where some people are like, oh, that's when you take a step back. I disagree. And, and I think there is a value to all of the work that you've, you've done. And there is a value to that. And it's how you present that value and why that is what's gonna make you successful in the next role that matters. 
if, if you're looking at a company that's a different type of company than you've been at, well, what do they do that your skill set supports, right? If you're in sales, sales is supported across the board. If you're in technology, it may be a different type, but it but it's still selling to the same type of personas, or maybe it's you know marketing it in a different area. You want to look at why what you can do part paired together with what they're looking to achieve is better than them just sticking in one side. And I think the, the more you can articulate that, um, the easier it gets. And I do think startups tend to lean more to that as well. They're looking for people who are hungry and driven and want to get in there and do it. The important part is to be able to sell yourself. If you doubt you can do it, then they're not going to have the confidence. But if you believe you can, the business case you present to them of why you belong in there is what's going to matter. I tend to hire um, and lean more into people who've been referred into me by others than necessarily every other piece that lies into their, their background. Because, you know, they're advocating for them that that is stronger than, to me, anything all written on the paper. Just something to keep in mind. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good thing to flag is that, you know, different people look at different things. Um, so if, if your growth is what's really important to you, definitely highlight that. Make it, you know, make it the um, more of the headline of what you've got going on. Um, when I was still in talent sourcing, like what people kind of shouted from the rooftops is what we absolutely could not miss. So, you know, don't make it like a throwaway line in your resume, but make it, you know, more of the point of what you're trying to, what you're trying to find or the opportunities that you're looking for. Um, all right. So we also have another question in the chat. Erica is asking, how open are you personally to receiving emails from people in LinkedIn asking about roles? And I think this is a, a good question because there are a lot of people who might not have anything to do with the actual hiring at their company, but they're the person that, you know, maybe like, you know, let's use me, for example, that I could connect with if I wanted to go into sales and say, hey, like, I see that you're kicking butt at Workiva and I really think it's interesting. Could we talk about this? Um, obviously, you can only give your personal opinion, but what do you think about, um, you know, outreach attempts like that? So outreach is for networking. I respond to as many as I possibly can. Um, sometimes you miss them. So I'm always a big person on follow up. It's it's never intentional that somebody doesn't. Sometimes you just get a lot all on one day and you think you made it all through them. Um, I'm a big proponent in connecting people where I can. Um, I like to do that. I, I like to help. I get alumni from um, my undergrad. Um, I'm going to be graduating with my master's in another year, and I'm already hearing from alumni from there who, who are interested, um, you know, people from former companies I've worked at. I, I think it is really important. And the more personalized or targeted so that the person knows what you're asking for is helpful. Because sometimes I get something that's very long, but I have no idea what they're actually asking for. Um, and that's hard because then you don't know how to respond. Um, but I do think it's important and I would be reaching out across LinkedIn and, and actually that's how I got the job I have. It was uh, somebody I met at a, um, a charity event. So um, that we were talking and I thought he did something else for a job and he didn't, he did this. And I inadvertently sold myself to him of like, I would be the right person for a role like this, not knowing he was hiring for one. So it was good practice. Um, but, but that's why you should always be talking to people. Most, I think, want to help. I very rarely had people not respond unless they're just completely and totally overwhelmed. Yeah, I think that's a good call out. You know, if somebody doesn't, un, un, like, doesn't respond, it's not, it's most likely not about you. It's, you know, stuff they've got going on in their lives. 
Um, so I think that's a really good point is that if you're making those connections and one's not really serving you, don't see that as a, I should stop doing this necessarily, you know? Um, I also want to share with everybody, I'm putting a link into the channel, um, right, or into the chat right now. It is going to lead you to a, a, a search of our past chats on poweredfly.com. If you are interested in hearing more chats about, um, you know, like the, the way to do these LinkedIn connections, ways to reach out and get, you know, referrals or get, um, make connections and network with people, um, definitely take a look at this list. There's some really great chats on here. And also the one that's at the top of the list is talking about demonstrating your experience when the hiring manager is doubting you. Um, so the, I sat in on that one. It's a really great chat. Um, so if this is, you know, especially if you had that last, if you're the person that had that last question about like, you know, talking about being trying to, to showcase your growth, absolutely check that one out. Um, all right, so moving on to some of our other questions, this person had written in saying, is it a good idea to stay working for a company that does not share any of your values or do you recommend changing jobs until you find the right fit? Basically what they wanna know is when is it time to settle? Cause it can be, you know, I, I love your idea of having like a checklist, you know, of like, these are the things that I really want. But some people's checklist kind of results in a unicorn situation, right? Um, like, I want to get paid to pet puppies all day and make my own hours and also have a six-day weekend. So, you know, how does that work out? Um, what, how would you address this question? Well, first, I think you have to have a priorities list. I mean, you're not, nobody gets everything on their list unless you're like, you know, Angelina Jolie or something. Maybe she gets everything. I certainly don't get everything on my list. So um, I think it's, it's important to, to be realistic, but also to set the goals, right? I don't think you should be staying somewhere that doesn't meet any of your needs, but also I think a knee-jerk reaction of quitting a job without anything to do is not a good way to keep the lights on. And I'm a fan of, you know, having a roof and lights and food in the refrigerator. So I do think that there's a balanced way to do so, which could be, this may not be the right spot, but what could I pivot from here to do? Is there something else at the company? Are they looking to change, but just don't know how, right? Is it something where their communication is in need of help. So maybe is it joining their DE&I initiatives and helping make the change you want? Or is it that the company isn't going to get there and you do need to be looking, but where do you look that's kind of, you know, tangential to where you are that would allow for a logical jump up, right? And I do think that's important is that's why it's so important to be networking and talking to people, even when they're on Zoom, even when it's on LinkedIn, and, and why you're activating your network to let people know what you're looking for. Um, the better and the more you do that, the more likely you're going to start to find those roles. And maybe maybe roles you never identified. By knowing what you care about doesn't mean you have to have a specific job role in mind. I would have not guessed. If you would ask me 10 years ago if I was going to be working in a technology company, I would have been like, no. And yet... I am, and I love it. So, you know, it's it's important to have to have a lot of you know openness around what could that picture look like. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think you're right. It's it's very it's important to know what you're looking for, but it's also important to know how important some of those wants are. Um, for me, I have like you know that checklist of like things that I really want in a company but I also have them ranked. So like, if I can't have my number one and two, but I get three through 10, maybe that's fine. Maybe that's a great thing. Maybe, but if I get, you know, find a company that's going to get me those, the, you know, number one and number two, um, you know, wants, 
and it's not going to pay me enough to live, you know, maybe I have to make tough choices and maybe that's just not really the right opening for me. Um, so I think that's a really good point. Um, and also I want to highlight something that we didn't really address on this, but like the question that talked about if the company doesn't share any of your values, I think maybe that's a different question than like, if you were working for a company that is kind of soul sucking or like there's a, you know, it's not just, I don't love the things that they're doing here. If it's more like, this is bad, or I really feel guilty for helping work with this. I mean, I did this. I have worked for a company that I maybe at the start didn't quite realize what I was getting myself into, but I worked in an asbestos litigation firm. I was literally working for like attorneys that were trying to keep people from getting health insurance benefits for damage that their products had caused these people. Like I literally was working for like kind of the evil corporation and I didn't realize it. And once I did, I was like, oh, that's why I really don't like this job. That's why I'm not very happy here. So, you know, it's okay if you don't realize it. It took me like eight months to realize this is what I was doing. But, you know, the idea of this isn't great. They make widgets. I'm not passionate about it versus this is diametrically opposed to what I really believe in, in like people helping each other in the world and that kind of thing. That's, it, they're very different questions. And I like Michelle, thank you for highlighting that, you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. There, a lot of us are not, not as privileged or even just as resourced um, to be able to say, this isn't working, I have to go do something else and just say, all right, we'll figure it out as we go. Um, all right, so this person in the chat is asking a question. Um, Sumaya wants to know, if I'm starting from zero ideas and experience about different industries and fields and I wanna try everything to know what fit, but don't go on you know, serious commitment, like a series of commitments and contracts, how can you get an idea of where you fit if you are new to the job force? So one of the ways to do that, because job hopping, that many job hops might be uh, mind blowing and difficult to keep all your W-2s in, uh, in line, but you might want to look at, at talking with a career coach. So somebody that can help based on your strengths and, and interests, where would you most likely find success, at least to start narrowing it down a bit, right? Where could you intern if you're just coming out of school, right? Where, what are some types of industries or careers that could allow you to get some exposure and experience to make that type of a more informed decision. And I think that's a good time with having a career coach, which is different than later on, if you're looking, well, where do I take my career now? And may wanna consider an executive coach at that point, that's where you're focused, but you're not sure how to get there. Career coach, um, and a lot of universities offer them complimentary for their um, grads. So the nice thing is those tend to be free. Um, if they're not, you can also look, um, there are different uh, ones that do it for a fee or, or that, again, depending on how much support you need, but not having any idea, you probably need someone to help you guide because you don't want to go from zookeeper to banker to like coding in one week. That would be crazy. So you would need a little guidance. I think that's a good call out. And I, I personally didn't do this, but I have a lot of friends that did. They worked for staffing agencies and told them like, hey, you know, like, like, so I have used staffing agencies before, but I was a paralegal. So like, that's all the information I gave them. But I have friends that worked for staffing agencies and said, hey, you know, I'm interested in like general admin, maybe a little bit of bookkeeping. Can I try this? Can I try that? And that's a really great way to get to test out a bunch of different roles without having to jump to different, you know, all these different companies and 
find what might fit you and what might not having to feel weird about putting that on your resume, you know, you can just say, well, I worked for this company and these are some of the areas of the, of the experience that I gained. Um, so that's a really great way, especially if you're just starting out, you know, get, get some basic money and, and get a lot of, you know, exposure to different jobs. I think that's uh, a good way to go. I didn't do it. I wish I had, but, um, it is a good thing that you can kind of take advantage of. Um, all right. This person, uh, oh, and the other thing I want to highlight for y'all is we only have 20 minutes left in the chat. They, these things go really quickly. So if you do have questions that you want to ask, please make sure you, um, you submit them. You can come off mute to ask, you can put them in the chat. You can DM them to me. Um, I just want to make sure that y'all get the opportunity to, to learn everything you'd like to from Michelle today. Um, all right. So this person says, as an older job seeker, almost 50, I left a large company after almost 20 years to become a small business owner and have done that for the last six. Now I'm looking to return to a corporate position as, and things have obviously changed quite a bit. Could you share some insight on finding a, a good fit at this time of life? So this, I like this question because it addresses both like a career break, being an entrepreneur, and then go, trying to go back into, you know, working for someone else, as well as the idea of ageism within the workforce or within the job search. So how would you tackle this question? Um, well, a couple of things. One, it would, I think it would also depend on was the company that they left and the business that they created, were they similar to each other? And is that an industry they want to go into? Meaning, were they in marketing in a large company? They did their own boutique marketing firm and then went into it. Or were they in marketing and then they had a business where they, you know, did parrot pet services, and now they want to get back into marketing, because those are two very different transitions to come, is, is what you are doing applicable to what you're going into, and that's easier to talk about in an interview, right? I liked it so much, I decided to take a break and do it on my own, right? Like, I wanted to work for myself for a bit. That's easy. It's harder when you spin um, a business that is very different than what you were doing prior and different than what you want to go into. At that point, it becomes more of, well, how do you how do you take this and put the right packaging and how do you have the right conversations? That's the time I would consider more leveraging like an executive coach is how do I take 30 years worth of experience and make sure I'm presenting myself appropriately? Because one of the things we, we can do is we can discount some of our experience if it's left to ourselves. I can use an example. The first time I had somebody do my resume, which was only... I don't know, five years ago, I was debating at that point to go to grad school. It took me a couple more years to actually pull the trigger. I gave it to my exec coach to review. And she's like, I thought you were good at sales. It's like, I'm good at sales. And she's like, never know it by reading this. And that was a bit eye-opening to remind myself that we are not all good at the same thing. And I was not very good at selling myself on a resume. It was great in person, right? Which is why I was getting jobs and, and doing all that. But I thought it was bragging to list stuff. I wasn't sure all that you put on there. I put more what the teams would do and what we hit here, but it wasn't, wasn't specific to me. And I think that tends to happen more often too, is we may be our own worst critic, right? We pull stuff out. And I think if you've had that type of a career, that's the point that it's worth having somebody who does this as a profession, look at it and say, you know what, this is the right stuff or you're missing some things. This experience needs to go here. I've seen it um, with some friends who are transitioning out of the military and switching. And they're like, oh, well, I didn't, I did this. I'm like, 
you ran like billions of dollars worth of software. It's hard to say you don't have software experience, right? But they were discounting it. So I do think that it's important that you have somebody else help a bit with that. Um, again, if you know there are placement agencies that offer the services, um, you can use uh, your former you know, schools, my, the grad school that I'm at um, offers it for free for students and for alum. Um, and then there's also, of course, independents that do it as well. But I do think there are times that getting a second pair of eyes and ears are better, and that's one of them. So sorry, I lost track of my mute button there. Um, Wynn, would you like to come off mute and ask your question? Yes, thank you. It's me again. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a question relating because you're transferring into tech um, from the financial business. And um, I wonder, you know, like the pace, I've heard that it's really fast. And is it hard? Is it stressful of how fast things are changing? And what's one thing you would like for somebody like me who's thinking about transition into like working with tech company um, to know, yeah. Uh, I think technology is fast paced, but I am fairly fast paced. So for me, it's a, it's a pretty good match. I wouldn't say that everybody is fast paced that is in it. Um, you know, one of the best things about, uh, you know, how much access you have to information is there's tons that you can review, right? The, if you wanna get up to speed, you can be looking across news sources, right? And use a variety of them. Don't focus in on one, right? You need a variety that are gonna give you, you know, non-biased opinions to say, here's, here's where people are focused in on, or here's the trends and find something that's of interest to you. It could be Starlink. Maybe you're into, you know, what Elon Musk is doing and, and, and the idea of having a, a, you know, galactic internet. Or maybe it's you're really passionate about communication and the change that Zoom made in the industry over the past year. There's a lot of different ways that people that that people can define where technology stops and starts, and and you can find one that works for you that drives your passion. And even media outlets, you know, um, like USA Today, they've got a lot more online presence and podcasts and all kinds of things that really get people excited. Um, and I met someone who has a, a podcast and it's called The Sneak. It's one of my favorites. And um, I, I was, didn't know how at first that tied into what he does with you know, managing the different papers and everything else and, and how all this ties together. It's outside of my wheelhouse, but it's fascinating. So you can even be in media and have it tied to technology. There's so many things you can do. Um, that I think makes it an option for a lot of people, maybe outside of what you would have previously thought. I love that. Um, Wynn, did you have any follow-up to that? No. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to go and I, I love podcasts, so I'm going to go and try to follow some like, podcasts. You like true crime. I love, I, it, you, everybody needs their own like disconnect. That's mine. Yeah. <laughs> I love true yes. crime. Oh my God, yes. Murderino from way back. This is amazing. I'm it's, all about the true crime podcast. Yeah, you can just listen to it like when you're doing everything. Yeah, I have to. It's crazy. Kind of freaked out my family a bit. They thought someone else was in the room. I'm like, no, it's just the podcast. Oh, yeah. It's like when I made my husband take me to see Gone Girl in theaters. We left and he was like a little bit afraid of me for several days. And I was like, yes, you feel that fear. <laughs> 
All right. We've got some really great stuff happening in the chat right now. Um, Kate had shared a really great um, resource uh, called Brag Better. It's a book um, called, it's called Brag Better, Master the Art of Fearless Self-Promotion by Meredith Feynman. Um, it totally reminds me of that just completely hackneyed Yogi Berra quote um, that it's not, it's not bragging if you've done it. Um, so if, you know, if you're just telling somebody what you've accomplished or what you've done and not, you know, glossing it up and, and churching it up and making it a little bit bigger than it really was, that's not bragging. You're just telling somebody where you stand on something, what, what kind of experience you have. Um, and I think that's a really great way to, to sort of make that mental shift, um, especially since as women, we're not really, you know, socialized to brag about ourselves. We're socialized to be team players and, you know, highlight the collective and really, um, you know, do that teamwork angle. And it's just, you know, not something that we are necessarily very geared to do from the beginning or set up to, to know how to do correctly. Um, we have another question that came in the chat. Um, this person said, I've only worked for small and medium-sized companies, like between uh, a little less than 500 employees. But looking at joining a large company next, something in like the five to 10,000 range, the problem is many large companies only want people who have large company experience. Do you think this is a real bias that exists? And if so, is, are there ways to overcome it? Now, I've never encountered this or heard this from hiring managers before, but it does, it's not to say that it doesn't exist maybe at the company that you're looking to, to go into. Michelle, how would you address this? Um, I came from really big firms before I came to a small firm, um, but I, I'm not as aware of that. But but I, I can I can use an example of one of my learning team members um, in in my cohort for my MBA program, and he was very focused on wanting to go to Facebook. And he was one of the ones I mentioned was transitioning out of the military, and um, you know he had had several interviews and a couple times that he didn't didn't get the job but he was very focused he wanted to go to Facebook and Facebook is very different than the Marines if you knew but but it is but this is where he was determined he was going to go and, yeah just slightly different he's going to be so thrilled when he finds out I'm sure one of someone uh from my cohort who will have listened will tell him but I have just not used hello <laughs> um so he wanted to join Facebook and but he, he was networking on LinkedIn. He was talking to people that were at Facebook, right? He, he did multiple interviews there. And so I think the big difference wasn't that it was he wasn't coming from a big company. I mean, technically, I think the military would be our biggest employer in the US. Um, but what it was is that your connections matter. So if you want to get into a large company, who can you network with there? Who can get your resume on the right desk? Who can help you get a presence there? Who knows where people are going to be looking to hire and can connect you to the right people? Like, I think if you really want to get into, I use the example of Facebook, but it, it could be Google. It could be one of the others. There are a lot of people who work there. Do you know anyone in the areas you want to be in? Can they help you get a foot in the door? I think that's a good a good thing to you know kind of utilize that network and you know one of the things that I've learned from working at a small company because I've you know I've, I've never worked at a startup before Power to Fly but one of the things that it taught me was that working at smaller companies you get a lot of experience in a lot of different things because there's a lot of things that need to happen and not necessarily one person assigned to every job 
And so that might be something that's really great to highlight when you are looking at trying to convince somebody that you would be a good fit for a larger company is to explain that like you you know how to manage your time because you've had to, you know, jump around to different tasks or you know how to be proactive in finding solutions to problems because this is what you've had to do in, you know, in, in previous roles. And there's, you know, examples I'm sure you can provide of that. Um, so I absolutely love the idea of, you know, you, utilizing the past and making it, you know, instead of instead of starting off with the idea that maybe this company isn't going to want to look at you because you come from a smaller group, um, you know, don't make it a problem if unless they say it's a problem, I guess. Um, you know, and then once they do, the, personally, I've I've gone into interviews where somebody said, well, hey, you know, like, why do you, you know, the, your background's not very traditional for what we want for this role. And I've just said like, oh, okay, could you explain like what you're actually looking for? Or what, you know, what about my background kind of makes me unsuitable? Because it's a great way to either get them to really explain and dial in and give you ideas of like, hey, we really like to see somebody with more sales experience. Or, you know, kind of highlight that maybe the things they thought they wanted aren't really required for that role. Um, or maybe, you know, there's not a lot of really great reasons, you know, kind of uh, bolstering this idea of we really only want people from large companies. Um, all right. So one of the ways we talked about kind of thriving in an organization, especially when we we're addressing the, you know, remote versus in person was coming up with those hybrid ways to, you know, to, to really um, meet the needs that you have, whether they're social needs or, you know, communication needs or whatever. Um, are there any like kind of tried and true best practices in that would encourage somebody to thrive in their environment? Um, some of the examples we kind of thought of were maybe networking or continuous learning and training. Um, but are there, you know, are these things that you should look for to, you know, to kind of give you an idea of an environment that you might thrive in? Or is it something that, you know, you should, uh, you could, you know, um, supply yourself or supplement your, your work environment? I think it's something you can also build yourself. So when I, I started at my company, we were a startup, we're now a public company, and um, we didn't have a women in sales org. Um, well, it, the women in sales were me and one other person. Um, so we, you know, we didn't we didn't have that size of a of a company or or an organization. But what we did have was people who were willing to listen and to be good advocates and um, it allowed us to grow it as we grew as a company. And I think that's important is that if you're in the right place, you'll feel it. Like I remember when I went on site and I interviewed and I met with our CEO and at the point in time he was wearing flip-flops. And by the way, he would still be wearing, he does still wear flip-flops. Um, he had flip-flops on shorts and I was in a full-on, I was coming for financial services suit and everything and hair up in a bun, the whole thing. And, and it was one of the, the best meetings because it was so comfortable. I didn't want to leave. I wasn't even sure at that moment what I was going to be able to do there. But all I knew is that people were enjoying what they were doing. I walked in and people were happy and talking to each other and they were moving around. And then he said, I scared them all because I thought I was an attorney and they weren't sure why an attorney was coming in. But it was, it was an environment that you just, like to me, felt comfortable. And we've all had those type of meetings where sometimes you go in and you're like, this is a bit stilted. I'm not sure, maybe I need to meet more people, but sometimes you go in and you're just like, this is where I wanna stay. And I remember flying home and then telling my family, I'm like, yeah, so I'm gonna leave a hedge fund and I'm gonna go to this startup and uh, in technology. And I guess what, I never have to wear a suit again. And, uh, and, and I think they thought I was a little bit crazy, but, but sometimes taking those risks because in my gut, 
it just felt like a place I could thrive. Does that mean it was perfect and everything was perfect all along the way? No, there is no place that is ever going to do everything. There's, it's not, there's no utopia. But, but there are where people listen and say, you know what, this is something I'm going to work on and this is what I'm going to empower you to do. And so I also say it's important to look at your company and see, are they willing to move there with you, right? Are they willing to take those steps forward? And if they are, you know, that's a part of an org I want to be a part of. So, you know, it's, it's not just are they already where you want it to be, but are they moving there and are you going to get to be a part of the process too? Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, we only have five minutes left, so I'm going to try and get through one more question before we jump um, to the wrap-up portion. Rita, I saw that you had a couple questions, so if you could ask whatever your top one is, I'm so sorry to be brushing people through, um, but Rita, if you'd like to come off mute and ask your question, you're more than welcome to. Sure. Hello, Power to Fly team. Thank you, Michelle, for doing this awesome training. I just wanted to ask, um, I am transitioning right now, so I've worked for the government. I was in law enforcement for a total of 20 years from the local and federal level. So as I am transitioning um, and I lost my job last year, I'm, I'm in a startup doing my own business and you mentioned podcasts. So you guys kind of segued me into my question previously. So I, that is in the works, but then I'm looking to get more into DEI based off of um, what I've been through based on the, off the climate. And I've actually uh, reached out to a couple of DEI experts on LinkedIn and that hasn't been successful, but from listening to you, how can I, the transition may not be smooth, but how can I build a bridge coming from law enforcement in 20 years, which was a career profession um, into segueing into something else? So if you're looking for say DEI as an example, um, one way to, to get, if you haven't heard back from some of the experts on LinkedIn is to look at, at where you went to school, who are the professors there? So if I look at, uh, uh, I'm, I'm in grad school at the University of Virginia and Laura Morgan Roberts is one of the ones at, at UVA who's pioneering in what they're doing for DEI. And she's got all of these things that have been coming out on it. So if you were at UVA, I would say, well, you've got to connect with Laura because she's got this network that would get you there. And so if there are um, if there are people within your network, and by the way, I, I can get contact information with you from, from Meg and I'll try connect you to Laura. I, I think she always seems willing to talk to people and she's fantastic. But I would look throughout the, the network of, is there someone in, in your alumni network that is focusing on that, that can help? Is there um, somebody in the, um, in your sphere of, of influence that has connections in there that can help open more doors. I find that the, the more that you can get somebody who personally can explain or take that time, the easier it becomes for the rest of the meetings to happen. Because then they say, like I've said to people, hey, this is somebody I, I know, could you take 15 minutes with them? Really hard for them, somebody who you know well to say no, right? Because they're like, well, I know them, they validated it and people like to help each other out. So that's also a way to, to do so. Thank you. You're Thank you so much for that question, Rita. That was great. Um, I, one thing I want to highlight for y'all before we do jump into our, our closing thing. Um, so I'm in the link that I sent y'all. I'm going to send it one more time in the Zoom chat here. Um, so especially Rita, the questions that you were asking, like absolutely spark with me. So if you do, if you if you click on the link that I just put in the chat, um, that's going to lead you to this page you're seeing right now. Um, this chat about avoiding the resume junk pile is amazing. This one about building your resume to launch your career, amazing. The referrals and introductions, 
definitely. And then this one about six job search or six job search message templates is great because it gives you the words to like try and reach out to these people without having to feel like you either need to re, you know, write a, a from scratch different email for every single one or how to be clear about what you're actually asking for. The other thing, Rita, do not be discouraged. DEI people right now are like, they're at a premium, but they're also doing a ton of work. So if you're not getting responses back, it is not always going to be like a case of these people aren't, aren't, aren't open to trying to help you or anything like that. I just know from speaking to um, our DEI people at Power to Fly, this is a busy time for everyone. So um, definitely try and, you know, make those connections. I also encourage you to reach out um, to Sienna. She's our head of DEI. You can find her on LinkedIn um, through the Power to Fly. I think she's like shown as one of the Power to Fly employees. Um, you can also reach out to hi at powertofly.com, just H-I. Um, that's our help desk email, and we can get um, help facilitate connections there as well. So please, please, please take advantage of those resources. Um, Michelle, to round us out, I'm so sorry if everybody has a time, uh, a hard time spot, but we want to make sure we touch on this. Um, and thank you, Michelle, for putting your email address in the, um, in the chat box there. Um, we talked to you a little bit earlier about, you know, the company culture at, at Workiva and some of your favorite part of, parts about working at Workiva. Um, can we talk a little bit about your tips for someone who's interviewing since Workiva is hiring? I think it's important to tie your strengths to whatever company, whether it's Workiva or any of the others, to what their goals and objectives are. Now, ours is to be a leading platform to you know, work with companies for their collaboration and doing their financial and regulatory and, and all of these other types of, of reporting. So being able to tie into you know, a goal of, of that is going to help when someone's interviewing and they're like, so what are your thoughts of this? You're like, well, I'm passionate about SaaS technology. I'm passionate about customers. Um, you know, our CEO says our customers are our number one and top priority. So, you know, being able to tie yourself to what the company puts out there as being their number one objective is, is important. Our company is very much, uh, they want people to want to work together. We have a policy that I'm not allowed to, to fully state because it'll get me in trouble and bleeped out. But it's fairly blunt on, on uh, no people not being nice to people is the nicest way I can phrase that. Um, they very much believe that uh, it should be an inclusive um, environment and that people should be comfortable working together from our CEO down. I love that. And you're right. It's one of those things where like you don't want to tell people like, well, you have to be you have to be nice to work here. But like if you have a company culture that's just like it takes more effort to be mean. So why? Like, let's just work together. We're all on the same team kind of thing. Um, I, I can tell you in my experience that is meant the it's meant the world. Um, all right. We see, there's also a page up here where you can check out some open jobs at Workiva currently. Um, I put a link into the channel again where you can um, take a look at Workiva's company page on powerfly.com. Um, definitely take a look there. You can also check out um, the open roles on Workiva's own career um, website. But one thing I will highlight for you is if you are, if you're not going to apply via Power to Fly, make sure you tell them you came from Power to Fly. It's not, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with you know, how your pay scale works or, you know, you'll get better treatment or worse treatment or whatever. It's, it's mostly just to make sure that we are sending great people to Workiva and to, you know, kind of highlight that like, hey, chats like this get you good people. They get you representation. They get you seen. Because, um, I mean, before last week, I'd never heard of Workiva. So, it's, you know, it's definitely one of those things that you want to spread the information about these great companies. Um, all right. I want to say a huge thank you to Michelle. You have 
kicked butt this whole hour. It was amazing. Um, and I absolutely love the sales persona at work, being able to take new questions on the fly. It was awesome. Um, and I want to say a huge thank you to our attendees. I have seen some really great connections and networking going on in the chat. I love to see that you guys seriously, like community is everything and it takes next to nothing to try and share with people and make those connections. And Michelle's absolutely right. People like helping other people. Um, so thank you to everybody who's been sharing resources and making connections in the chat, especially people that brought up such really great questions. Um, I really, really appreciate it. It makes these chats so much fun um, and one of the biggest reasons why I love my job. So thank you for that. Um, I hope everybody has a wonderful Monday um, and I'm really, really, really excited um, for what we've got going on this coming week and next week leading up to our June summit. So hopefully I'll see many more of you joining us on chats in the future. Um, just know that we are here for you at every stage of your career and we're so happy that you spent time with us. So please check out our, op our upcoming events. Um, there's a lot of really great stuff coming up and it's all free. So we wanna make sure we share these resources with all of you. Um, thanks again and hopefully everybody has a great Monday and a great rest of the week. Bye.